Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Hebrews 12, turn there tonight in our study on the last day's survival guide. We're talking about finding freedom from bitterness and unforgiveness. Bitterness and unforgiveness. Now, I'm going to tell you what. Years, just in the context of a handful of maybe eight or ten years ago, if I'd have read this, I'd have thought, I have no bitterness. Then as I actually got it taught from my pastor, I realized I did and had to deal with some. But I'm going to tell you what, it's a dangerous thing to allow bitterness in your life or unforgiveness. Now, the reason this is so important about last days is because this is an open door for Satan. Any bitterness in your life, it's, it's just like opening your door for Satan to come on in. Unforgiveness in your life, same thing. And I guarantee you, in this life, uh, understand that a lot of things will happen in your life and around you, talking about with other people, etc. You can't control what they do. You can't control what they say or what happens. But you can certainly control how you respond to it. If you don't deal with it biblically, Satan can get a root of bitterness. Or unforgiveness work in your life. And doing so, as you're about to see, will be totally detrimental to your life and can be detrimental to others. So I want you to see this clearly. Number one in your notes, the Bible is clear, absolutely clear on how we should stay out of bitterness. So let's look at some verses on it tonight. What do you say? Hebrews 12, picking up here in verse 14. Two verses we're going to look at to begin with Hebrews 12, 14 and 15. Pursue what? Underline that. Pursue peace, meaning what? Something you have to do. Something you have to try to press into. It's not something that in this case, because this is not talking about our peace with God here. This is talking about with other individuals. Pursue peace with what? All people. And holiness. Without which no one will do what? See the Lord. Now, does this mean that I can be at a state of peace with everybody? No. Does not mean that. There will be people that will always separate themselves from you. People that will maybe even do things that aren't right that you may have to separate from them. Peace doesn't mean that you're going to walk hand in hand with everybody on the planet all the days of your life. But it means that we're not going to be the one that's going to bring the strife. We're not going to be the ones that brings the division or the gossip. We're not going to be the one to do that. If you're pursuing peace with all people, it means you're doing nothing to cause wrong in relationships with others. But it doesn't mean that you may have, quote unquote, a close relationship with everybody around you. I'm just not going to be the one dishonoring God's word in a way that would cause a problem as it relates to the Bible to affect my relationship with somebody else. Amen. Amen. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without uh, without which no one will see the Lord. Verse 15, listen, listen, looking carefully, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. What does a root of bitterness do? It springs up and it causes trouble. Watch this, underline it. And by this, many become defiled. Many become defiled. 
affected by evil. Affected by evil. To be defiled means evil has now somehow taken root or gotten a hold of your life or caused some form of harm or damage to your life or others. Read verse 15 again. You got to look carefully. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Let's look at your notes. 1A, you have to actually pursue peace with all men if you're going to enjoy peace with all men. You got to pursue it. I want to be clear about this again. Pursuing peace with everybody doesn't mean I'm going to be buddy-buddy, close friends. It means I'm not going to be the one to generate, cause, or bring about strife or division in any situation. Now, they may cause strife or division between us, but it ain't going to be me causing it. And if they cause it, I'm going to walk away because the Bible says so. Right? Where strife and division is every evil work. So if they want to continue to be a strifer, in the sense of I'm talking about a friendship type relationship, if they want to be a strifer or try to cause division, I'm not going to be a party to that. But I'm not going to be the one bringing it. You listening? I'm not going to be the cause of it. To pursue peace with all people means I'm not the one who is being the cause of the problem in that relationship. Now, in the relationship as it relates to even marriages and stuff, there might be problems still in that relationship. But you're not to be the cause of it. I'm to be the one pursuing peace. Amen? Amen. 1B, the last thing you want in your life is a root of bitterness to spring up in you. And we'll tell you why. 1C, a root of bitterness from the context of the original Hebrew text, Old Testament, Greek New Testament, a root of bitterness signifies a poisonous plant. In the, in the context of the day in which they lived, the Hebrews, God's children, those of Hebrew origin, referred to a root of bitterness as a poisonous plant. Bitterness is a poison to, peop, to the people it infects. So in other words, if a root of bitterness gets in me, guess what? Poison can be released. Now wait a minute. Not just talking spiritually, even physically. You know what a root of bitterness does? Causes your brain to release deadly chemicals into your body. But the poison we're talking about is spiritual. Because if a root of bitterness gets in you, you have a poison within your system. You have a poison within your soul, not your spirit. And that poison can rise up and cause great harm to your life. 1D, once you get better, guess bitter, you will cause trouble for others as well as for yourself. It can affect others. It can defile others, he said. Remember what it said right there in the end of verse 15? And by this many become defiled. So that root of bitterness can also clearly affect other people around me. Say, time to deal with it. Quit, quit walking around with such a bad attitude about everything. A lot of times a bad attitude is a form of bitterness for some reason. Not always, but it can be. I can see you're excited about our message tonight. 1E, the major problem with all this is that it is so lethal to others. It is so lethal to others. Your bitterness can cause many others to be defiled. You know, there's an old statement for years and years that's been said. If you get bitter, you ain't going to be any better. You listening? You get bitter, things aren't going to get better. They're going to get worse. So you and I, this whole point, uh, I can already hear it maybe from some in the room or maybe internet, whatever. Well, I'm not the cause of it. Whoa, 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 whoa. 
Whoa, whoa, listen. You don't have to accept anything anybody brings to you. You don't have to get bitter about anything anybody does to you. Jesus was your greatest model and example. He never got bitter over anything that happened to him. As we're going to see as we get to the end of this teaching tonight, he not only asked God to forgive those who did what they did, he said, forgive them because they don't know what they do. Well, this person knows what they're doing to me. You know, most people don't. You know, most of what you do to cause harm to others, it's not like you aren't, you better not be. You're going to see in a minute. It's not like they're intentionally trying to harm somebody, but they're so used to re- responding and dealing with stuff the way they deal with it that they cause harm without even thinking about it. But you, child of God, listen to me, listen carefully. You got to get your eyes off of that other person. You got to get your eyes off of that other person. When it comes to this subject, you better stop focusing on saying, they're my problem. If I didn't have them doing what they're doing, I wouldn't be bitter. Wrong. Because you're going to have people in this life, no matter how long you're on this planet, you're going to have people in this life that are going to misuse you, speak against you, say things falsely about you, especially if you live godly. You live godly, you're going to suffer persecution. You got a choice. Get bitter or get better. Your decision. You get bitter, you allow poison in your heart. In your spirit, man, I should say, your soul. In your soul, not your heart in the sense of your spirit, man. I'm talking about the heart of your soul. So you got to understand, this is a dangerous, dangerous vial of poison that gets loose in people's lives. And if they don't deal with it and get it out, I'll guarantee you what, it'll not only affect you, it'll start uh, trying to affect other people around you. Now, if you're a believer who learns how to deal with this, it won't affect you. But it affects a lot of people because not a lot of Christians are mature enough to not get bitter. You listening? The reason it's so dangerous, I don't, want to be an, I don't want to be an inflictor of that poison on somebody else that's not mature enough to know how to deal with it. Any amens on that? So you and I got to deal with this bitterness in our life and understand how to keep it out. Let's, let's look at some other verses to learn about how we can do that. Ephesians chapter 4. Now don't sit here and just say, well, I have no bitterness. Wonderful. I pray you don't. But I'll tell you what, you better learn how to guard against it. And if you get these verses, you know, so much of the time, what we teach on is not just for you. It's not just for you. You, If you really don't know these verses, you couldn't help others who are dealing with it. All you would say was, oh, no, you shouldn't be bitter. Okay, but guess what's going to help set them free? Not you saying that. What frees people? The truth does. But you can go to a verse and say, let me show you some scripture on this. We just had a teaching on this in our church. Let me, I, and you may not have bitterness. I hope you don't going on in your heart. But I will promise you what? One thing. One, this will help you guard against it in your life. Two, it will help you to help others as well. Amen. All right. Number two, the scriptures teach us what to do to stay out of bitterness and unforgiveness. Thank God the Bible teaches us how to do so. Yes. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. If you're there, say amen. amen. Let no corrupt word. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Want to guard your life against bitterness? Watch what you say to others. Because if you're speaking words that are corrupt, that are obviously damaging or harmful, guess what? There's certainly most likely most believe, most people on, on the planet not going to respond well to that. And all that's going to do is give you an opportunity to get bitter now in that relationship. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may do what? Impart grace to the hearers. You know, if you look this up in the Greek, here's how the last part of that verse is worded. You ready? 
Your words should be a gift to one another. Your words should be a gift to one another. The phrase grace here is talking about a gift. It's talking about a gift. Now, it also relates to the grace of God. And the grace of God means we receive something we didn't deserve. So somebody mistreats you. What should you do? Show them grace. What's grace mean? I'm going to give you words you don't deserve. In the natural, maybe you really deserve something. But that's not what we do. I'm going to operate in grace. And by operating in grace, I'm going to give you words you didn't deserve. So that I can guard my heart against bitterness. Because if I respond in like manner, I respond with wrong words on my mouth based on what you said. I'm opening myself up to a root of bitterness. I hope you're listening tonight. So it's not just what you may say at the, uh, at the, at the front, but what do you say when people do say things to you wrong? What do you, how do you respond to people? Are your words words of corruption or are they a gift back? Because if they're words of corruption, guess what you're opening up to? Hey, little root of bitterness. Hey, poison, come on. Get in my soul tonight. No, 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 no. You need to, you need to respond with words that are what? That are a gift to them. Amen. What are you doing by doing so? You're guarding your life. Come on, you're guarding your life against bitterness. 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So listen to the Spirit of God inside you. As you're dealing with people, if you deal wrong with them, guess what the Holy Spirit's going to do? He's going to convict you about that. Amen. Don't do things that you know are grieving to the Holy Spirit. 31, let all... all bitterness. Come on, say it. All let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. If you want to deal with bitterness and keep it out of your life or help others get it out of your life, here's the two verses. You, now, you can remember all these verses, but to summarize all these verses, you can summarize them all in verse 31 and 32. If your words are a gift, guess what? They're not bitter. They have no wrath in them. They have no anger in them. They have no clamor in them. That just simply means raising your voice and getting out of hand. There's no evil speaking coming out of your mouth. Come on. You put it away. Right? With all malice. We're going to talk about that in a minute. 32. Therefore, you're being what? Kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Well, only be kind and tenderhearted if they're nice to you. No. That's why he goes on to say forgiving one another. Notice that. Forgiving one another even as what? Even as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. Aren't you glad God didn't respond to you? In a way that you obviously would have had him normally respond to you if he would respond to you in like manner before you got born again as to your actual acts towards God. He forgave you of everything you did wrong. Amen? So number two on your notes, A, watch your mouth so you don't do what? So it doesn't matter how they speak to you. Doesn't matter what they say. Doesn't matter what they do. I know a lot of people say, oh, but that's hard to do. The Bible wouldn't tell you to do something you couldn't do. You want to keep bitterness out? You better practice this right here. I said you better practice this right here. Watch your mouth. Circle, highlight, underline those three words. Watch your mouth. Tell your neighbor. You and I need to watch our mouth. Tell them. We need to watch our mouth. Well, if they would stop speaking to me, I didn't talk about dealing with them. See, here's something that you must never forget. I've taught it for years. And as believers, we tend to slip and forget this. You ready? You ready? 
If I'm always going to focus on them being my problem, guess what you're trying to do? You're trying to change them. Can I help you with something? You can't do it. You're trying to do something that's impossible. Because if you could change them, God could change them. God could change them. If God could change them, they'd all be already changed. But God can't. They have a free will. If God can't change them, guess what you can't do? That's why the Bible says, work out your own salvation. Your own with fear and trembling. Well, I can't work out yours. I can't work out yours. I cannot correct your mouth. You must. But I guarantee you, this is powerful. You got to understand this. A soft answer turns away wrath. Not another harsh answer. So if you obviously walk in light of what Scripture teaches, be tender-hearted, kind, loving one another. If you keep speaking to people the way the Bible says to, it's going to be difficult for them to keep coming back at you in a harsh manner. But what you're doing, and this is what you've got to remind yourself, this is powerful. By speaking back words that aren't bitter, aren't filled with wrath and anger, clamor, evil speaking and malice, by not doing that, by being kind to others and tenderhearted and speaking as a gift to them in love, what am I doing? What am I doing? I just told you. What am I doing? I'm guarding myself against bitterness. This is how you guard yourself against bitterness. You don't realize when you spawn, respond back out of the flesh, what are you opening yourself up to? Bitterness. But when you spawn, respond back with words of kindness and love, and they're a gift to that person, no matter what they're saying to you, what are you doing? You're guarding yourself against bitterness. It's the whole purpose for these verses. You want to guard yourself against bitterness? Speak back and let your words be a gift and be tenderhearted, be kind. Amen? If your flesh is out of control, walk away. Get your flesh under control. Then come back and talk. But you got to understand, folks, if you allow your words to go backwards towards, uh, go back to them in a way that's not right, that's harmful, that's destructive or angry, or obviously words that aren't a gift to one another, what do you open yourself up to? Bitterness. So thank God we can guard against it. Amen? So 2A, watch your mouth so you don't only defile others, but 2B, get rid of what? All grudges? Underline it. Get rid of all grudges, revenge, and malice. Malice is a desire to injure another. So malice means you intentionally want to hurt them. So if you go back to verse 21, uh, 31, he said, Let all what? Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So in other words, I should not be speaking words back to hurt them. If you want to speak words back to hurt them, you're walking into a root of bitterness. If the purpose of what I'm saying to you is to hurt you, that's malice. That's a desire to hurt. It's a desire, that's an intention to speak words that would be painful to them. That's malice. And all you're going to do is open yourself up to bitterness. Tell your neighbor, glad pastor showed up to preach to us tonight. Glad he did. Because this is something that doesn't get heard a lot about how to protect yourself against bitterness. You don't realize how much your words affect this in your life. Based on what you're saying back to the response of what people are saying to you. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. Shake your neighbor say, glad you showed up to hear this message tonight. Matthew 6. Praise God. Matthew 6. 
May all of our church family get it that's not here because the last thing you need in your life on the last days is a root of poison, a root of bitterness welling up in you. You know, one of the things you got to realize is, and why it also talks about affecting others, is because, you know, if you get bitter against what one person did to you, how bitter are you now towards responding to other people in like manner oftentimes? Oftentimes it'll start coming out towards others as well. Well, there you go. They're the problem. No, they're not. You're the, you're the problem for allowing it to get in you. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. I know I wouldn't get a lot of amens on that, but that's what the Bible teaches. I'm just preaching the word to you. Matthew 6, Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive who? How many want your Father to forgive you? Now, now realize, obviously, on the day that you asked Jesus into your heart, you had to ask God to forgive you of all your sin nature. Right? So everything from that moment on, marked by God, from that, that, excuse me, that moment back was all forgiven, all washed by the blood. When you become a believer, can you still miss it? Yes. Do we, are we supposed to repent? Yes. 1 John 1, 9, written to believers. If you sin, confess. Meaning, all confess means fess up. You're not hiding anything from God. Acknowledge to God, God, that was wrong. Shouldn't have done that. Right? Well, what if I did something I didn't know I did? Don't worry about it. If there's something you really actually did that was a sin, your spirit knows, the Holy Spirit knows, he'll reveal it to you. Don't let the devil take you on a rabbit trail chasing after something that ain't there. But here's my point. Even after born again as a believer, if you have done something in violation of God's word and you won't, or excuse me, if, if I'm, let me back up, sorry, which would be wrong if you did. But if somebody has wronged you and you don't forgive them as a believer, guess what? Now the Father can't forgive you. Look at it again. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Jesus said it. Well, what in the world does that mean, Pastor? That means as you're about to see, you have now pulled yourself out from under God's protection and canopy of protection of walking in a place of provision of protection from the enemy. Not forgiving you doesn't mean now you're not a believer anymore and you're back to being a sinner. It means I can't watch over you and protect you because you've just literally opened the door for Satan to ransack your life. Because of that, I can't protect you under the context of the forgiveness that I have for you because you've allowed him in. But the minute you ask for, uh, excuse me, the minute that you forgive others, what do you do? You keep the door shut. You keep the door closed to the devil and you keep God working in your life. Number three, if you forgive others, the heavenly father will do what? Let's get into it a little further. Matthew 18. So let's go to an actual parable that Jesus then taught about this over here in Matthew 18. Matthew 18. If you look at, first of all, verses 21 and 22, how often should we forgive people and how much of, in context of what people do wrong to us, do we have to forgive? Matthew 18, 21, Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Peter really thought he was being generous. So like if he wrongs me up to seven times, do I just forgive him up to seven times? Don't you love Peter? Yes. You, you've learned a lot as a believer because of a guy named Peter. 
Jesus said in verse 22, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to what? Now, if you look at this in the other Gospels, that's in one day. That's in one day. Seventy times seven in one day. How many times is that in one day? I know, I've told you before, but it's not like you're going to sit there and get your little iPhone out now or your Android and start counting up in one day how, how many times one person's wronged you. Like if they get to 490, then at 491, I don't have to forgive. That's, that's not what he's saying. You know what he's saying? You're to always forgive. Because what did he just say over there in Matthew 8? If you don't forgive, the Father will not forgive you. So on your notes there, watch this very carefully. Four, learn to walk in the Bible kind of forgiveness, which is what? What is the Bible kind of forgiveness? Instant forgiveness. As 4a says, Jesus taught us to forgive 70 times 7 in one day. <clears throat> so that doesn't mean hang on it for two days, hang on to it for two days, three days. No, be an instant forgiver. Instant forgiver. If they came to you 490 times in a day, it doesn't matter. Forgive them every single time. Don't hold on to it. Don't wait for three or four or five days. Because as you're going to see again clearly, if you hold on to unforgiveness, you're not hurting them, you're hurting you. Moving on. Verse 23, he goes on and says, in this same context, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Notice this. When he had began to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed to him 10,000 talents. Say 10,000. Now, if you look this up, if you look this up, this 10,000 talents in the context of what this is actually saying here is actually something that would not be able to be paid back in a lifetime of their time, would not be able to. 25, but as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and that all that he had and that payment be made. They could do that back in that day. 26, but the servant therefore fell before, his, uh, before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Now again, with the amount that he actually owes in their day, for most people, literally impossible. Not possible to do with how much he owed. 27, but the master of the servant was moved with what? <clears throat> Guess who we have? A compassionate God. Yeah. The master of the servant was moved with compassion and he released him and he did what? Wow, he forgave him the whole debt, released him, just by him asking, just by him asking. 28, but that servant then did what? He went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. Now, 100 denarii compared to the 10,000 talents he owed could have been paid back. On average, in context of what a person made, they made about that much in a year's time. So in a handful of years, he could have paid it back, could have been returned. The servant again, 28, went out and found this fellow servant who owed him 100 denarii, and he laid hands on him, and he took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Isn't it amazing how in the world can a guy like this who was forgiven of a debt that he couldn't pay back in a lifetime, turn right around to somebody that owed him money and now grab him by the throat and say, pay me everything you got. But that's exactly what you and I do when we don't forgive others. God forgave us a debt we could not pay. 
You listening? Yes. And then all of a sudden we're forgiven all of that. But now we're not going to forgive somebody that's wronged us. When God forgave us of a debt that we couldn't pay back. 29. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet. And he begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Say doable. That was doable. He could have done it. If he'd have let him stay out working, he could have actually done it. Verse 30, but he would not. He would not. He went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. And once again, legally in their day, you could do it. Verse 31, so when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and they came and told their master all that had been done. 32, then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you what? You what? Wow. How many of you want to be called a wicked servant? If you, don't, if you don't forgive people, guess what God looks upon you as? A wicked servant. You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion? Why don't you forgive? You're not walking in love. You're not walking in love. Well, I just don't feel like forgiving them. has nothing to do with how you feel. Love's not a feeling. It's a spiritual force that's in you. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servants, just as I had pity on you, your fellow servant? 34, his master was what? He wasn't happy about it. He was angry. He delivered him to the torturers, underline it. He delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you, If each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. You may not like those verses, but they're in the Bible. A lot of of ministers today wanting to tickle your itching ears ain't going to even touch on this parable. Ain't going to even read it. It's going to stay dormant and hidden in their Bible forever. But he just said it. In this setting of this parable, just like that that, that, uh, master will turn him over to the torturers, your heavenly Father will do the same to you. Is the Father turning you over to the devil? No, you are. Right. He don't have a choice. Because right. if you don't forgive, you are now operating out of your old Adamic nature. Right. right? Forgiveness is based on the compassion God has shown to us. What is that compassion? God's love. Where is that love, by the way? It's in your spirit, man. If I choose not to forgive, what's ruling my life right now? It ain't your spirit, man. It's your soul. It's your old Adamic nature. If you operate out of your old Adamic nature, what are you functioning under? The rule of the flesh. Guess who now has total access to torture you, take advantage of your life, and control you because you're being operated, you're operating under the leading of the flesh. Satan does. That's how, that's how Satan tempts you. Tempts you through your flesh. He don't tempt you through your spirit. Remember the recent message we had on this about dealing with the temptations? Satan has no ability to tempt you with things spiritual. He, tempt, he can only tempt you in the flesh. So is God saying, okay, Satan, sick him? No. Literally in the context of the previous verse in Matthew 8, God can't forgive. Meaning what? He can't protect you because you've chosen. You've made the decision to operate out of your old fleshly nature. And because you have, God said, guess what? You are now open territory for Satan, the torturer. So if I don't forgive, what am I doing? You're really not hurting the other person. You're hurting you. You're hurting you. 
So you got to understand the power of this and why it's so significant to forgive. What would lead somebody not to forgive? Root of bitterness. Root of bitterness. The word forgive, if you think about the word itself, and you look at the context of the true Greek words that make this up, for give. You know what it means? Give up first. What's it mean to forgive? Give up first. If you forgive, you give up first. Meaning what? It ain't worth fighting over. It ain't worth me getting tormented over. If you've wronged me, I'm giving up first. I don't care if you forgive me or not. See, to give up first means it doesn't, it's not based on what you do or don't do. I do it whether you forgive me or not. And you got to do it from your heart, not your head. So that means what? You know what? In your head, you still may want to get revenge. But your heart, when you forgive, releases them. And when you do, healing in your soul can come. God can't heal you in the soulish realm of where you've been affected by that harm, hardship or whatever's been done wrong to you. If you don't forgive because you're operating out of that soulish realm, Satan can take advantage of you. You're going to be tor- tortured with what they've done wrong to you. Amen? Amen? So how does forgiveness operate? How do we forgive? You ready? You just choose to do it. Isn't that deep? You just choose to do it. I just choose to release them. I choose to let them go. I choose to not punish them. I, all context, all of the charges again, I drop them. I drop them. If you've really forgiven them, what are you not trying to do? Harm them back. You're not trying to punish them for what they did. I've told you this many times. It's even a legal term, like going before a judge. Right? You could go before a judge, be wrong. You could be wrong for what you did, but the judge shows mercy. I'm going to show you the mercy of the court. Get out of my courtroom. You know what that means? He ain't going to bring you back in there on those charges. And he's not going to punish you for the wrong you did. When you forgive, guess what you don't do? You don't punish them for the wrong they did. Even though in the natural they may deserve it, that ain't up to you. I'm not the judge. He is. And if they continue to do wrong, they're going to hurt their life, not mine. Any good amens on this? Say it. Forgive means to give up first. So you and I give up what? We give up that old fleshly nature first and say, nope, I choose to release you. I'm not going to. Now, if I've forgiven, how do do I know I've forgiven? Because I've simply made the choice to not punish them for the wrong they've done. And if I do so, what are my words going to sound like? They're going to be words of compassion and love. Amen? Will you feel like doing it? No. No, because your feelings are in your soul. See, that's the problem. Far too many Christians, as our men are learning in the Total Man series by Lester Summerall, far too many Christians are still governed by their soul, mind, will, and you ready? Emotions. So if you've been hurt by them, obviously the hurt doesn't go away instantly when you forgive. But when you choose to forgive, it's just a choice. It's a decision. Here's what you need to remember about every time somebody hurts you. You have a choice. Do I let the tormentors now jump into my life? Or do I close the door to the tormentor? Because if I don't forgive them, tormentor's got direct, uh, uh, direct access to my life. The Father cannot forgive me, cannot protect me from him. Are you still here? And what are you also doing by forgiving? It is the key thing you must do to guard against a root of bitterness. Because if you don't forgive, I will assure you a root of bitterness is beginning to be being formed in your heart. 
Could I get a better amen? amen. All right, moving on. Go to Mark chapter 11. <clears throat> Mark chapter 11. And I'm going to tell you right now, these aren't words <clears throat> that God's not serious about. He means it. And all God's trying to help me and you do is understand. He's not trying to say, oh, just let people take advantage of your life. Not saying that, but he's saying, don't let the devil take advantage of your life. Don't let Satan take advantage of your life. I will promise you, as it comes to your normal friends that you hang around, I wouldn't be hanging around friends that are always being wrong in how they treat you and mean to you. In some situations, in relationships, you may have to deal with it. But you've got to understand, the more you walk in forgiveness, the more you walk in love. The more you walk in love, love never fails. Love can begin to work on their heart, begin to change them. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, of course, you know the famous verses in verses 22, 23, and 24 about faith, right? About walking in faith. But notice what he says in verse 25 after he talks about walking in faith. Whenever you stand praying, let's, let's throw them in there for good measure. 22, have faith in God. 23, assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, does not what? Doubt, Doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will be done. He will have whatever he says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, pray believe you receive them and you will. Amen. Notice the next phrase though. And Amen. when you stand praying. So you're praying to believe you receive something from God. While you're praying, if you have anything against anyone, what do you got to do? Forgive. forgive him that your Father in heaven may also do what? Forgive. forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven... You're going to hinder your ability for your prayers to work. Because Satan, again, is going to affect what you're doing by tormenting your soul. So you and I don't want to have unforgiveness in our life. Number six, when you stand praying. So anytime you go to God with a petition prayer to ask God for something, what should you do? You make sure you forgive all men of their trespasses. I, before you even make that petition before God, make sure you have no unforgiveness in your heart toward anybody. Colossians 3, <clears throat> Colossians 3, you get anything tonight? Yeah. Colossians 3, Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, 12 and 13. Therefore, as the elect of God, that means those who are born again, if you're born again, you're the elect of God, holy and beloved, again, put on what? Tender mercies, kindness, Humility, meekness, long-suffering. I want you to read it again. Put on, put on, tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. We'll come back to that verse. Verse 13, excuse me. Bearing with one another. Doing what? Wait, wait, I didn't get that. I don't want to get that far yet. Bearing with one another. Do what? Tell me again, please. Remember what Jesus said about his disciples? How long must I bear with you? <clears throat> Bearing with one another and doing what? Forgiving. Forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, they did you wrong. Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Must do. You also need to forgive just like Jesus forgave you. So how do we bear with one another and how do we forgive one another as Christ forgave us? Verse 12, put on. 
You're not going to forgive if you don't put on. What? Tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. How do we do that, Pastor? How do we put these things on? Several ways. Number one, walk close with Jesus. God's love himself. If you really truly develop an intimate, close relationship with God, I've taught you this many, many times. Little Johnny goes to school and makes a new friend, little Tommy. Little Tommy is somebody who's not living like little Johnny. Little Tommy is not a good example at all. But little Johnny likes little Tommy, and he wants to be like little Tommy. And so as he develops a relationship with little Tommy and starts building that relationship closer, little Tommy starts rubbing off on Little Johnny, it's an automatic. So all of a sudden, little Johnny comes home and little Johnny's saying and doing things that little Johnny never used to do. Let's put it in the positive. You and I, as a child of God, who can rub up next close to God, who is love, will start having that influence our life. And then all of a sudden, you and I will start walking in more of God's love because he will influence us. How do you know one of the ways somebody's walking close with God? They're walking in love. Because he'll rub off on you. He'll influence what you think. He'll influence what you see. He'll influence what you say. He'll influence what you do. Are you listening? We talked about it Sunday morning. How do you walk close with God? What's the number one way I walk close with God? The Word of God. Go back to our Sunday message. How do I fellowship with God? Spirit to spirit. Yes. Isn't that right? Yep. So how do I do that? Jesus said it, John 6, 63. The words I speak to you, they are spirit. Yes. Jesus said you can't live by bread alone, but by every word Amen. that proceeds from the mouth of God. Why do, most people don't, why do most people not know God very well and walk in close fellowship? You could pray for hours and still not know God very well. Why? Because according to Jesus himself in his prayer to the Father, he literally said, I've given them your word so that they can stay in your name, in your, in your character, in your nature. Because of that word, they'll be able to fellowship with you. They'll be able to stay set apart from the world because they'll be close to you. If you're set apart from something, you're set apart to something. You're not set apart from the world unless you're set apart to God. Do you understand that? It's not just set apart from the world to what? To what? You're not going to get set apart from the world unless you're getting set apart to something. You got to get you got to get set apart to something to get set apart from something. Are you listening? I want to write it down. You got to get set apart to something to get set apart from something. To be set apart from the world, I got to be set apart to God. The closer I get set apart to God, the more I'm set apart from the world. In this deep revelation. But in John 17, 17, how do I get set apart from the world to my God? Father, I pray that you would sanctify them, set them apart from the world. This is how. You will set them apart from the world through your truth. Your truth. Set them apart by your word, for your word is truth. And it is spirit. So if you want to be set apart in close relationship with God, Wigglesworth to me is the greatest quote on this. Greatest quote I've ever heard. Love it. Wigglesworth said, I cannot come to know God by my experiences. And Wigglesworth knew God. And Wigglesworth had a lot of experiences with God. But none of those, he said, actually got him to how he came to the place to know God. I can't come to know him by my experiences. 
You know why? Satan can make you think that you actually are experiencing God. Don't believe it? How about Simon in the book of Acts, the New Testament? Did incredible miracle signs and wonders. Before he ever met the disciples, wasn't even born again. And you know what all the people thought? I'm talking about people in their day, Jews that walked close with God in their view. You know what the people thought? He was the great power of God. You know how many people get deceived because they go by experience with, with God? You listening? Wigglesworth said, I can't come to know God by my experiences. I can't come to know God by others' experiences. I can't come to know God by anything other than his word. Because he's everything the word says he is. And that's how I come to know my God. You want to know why Wigglesworth knew his God? Because he read his Bible daily all throughout the different times of the day. Wigglesworth would go to lunch with like a minister or something. This is where we found out about it because some of them shared this actual little truth. They said Wigglesworth, like in a public setting at a restaurant, would sit down to eat his uh, lunch. And when he would go to pray, if he had heard nobody else in 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 the restaurant pray yet over their food... He'd say, I notice none of you ask God to bless your meal. Bow your head. We're going we're gonna to ask him to bless it now. Amen. And then he would do it. And he would pray to the Father. All right, you can all eat now. You better start asking God to bless your food. Then he would eat. As soon as he got done eating, this was how they was, he would push back from the table. He kept in his, little, in his front pocket what he called his testament. He called it his testament. It's a little, little, little New Testament. He, he would pull it out. He'd say, we fed the, we fed the natural man. Now we're going to feed the spirit man. And he would open his Bible. And all he'd do is just read some verses. Summerall, who was so impacted by his life, when he actually got to go spend time with him in his latter days, in his home, and sit there with him for hours before he had to come home because of World War II. He literally said, I thought this man was going to impart great spiritual truths to me as a leader. And all he did day in and day out is sit and read the Bible to me. That's all he did. He'd sit down and say, open your Bible, son. We're going to read the Bible together. And we'd read. First thing he would do before he did anything else, open the Bible. What did he start with every time? Bible. Why? I can't come to know God any other way than through the Word because he's everything the Word says he is. And he said, every time we sat down, he would first open his Bible, have me open mine, or just read his Bible to me. And he would do it for a length of time. Different every time. 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour. And when he got done, he'd close his Bible. He said, now we're going to pray, son. He didn't pray first. He read his Bible first. I'm talking about forgiveness. How do you walk in forgiveness? You do it by love. You want to make it easier for you? Get close to God. He's love. He rubs off on you. Amen? Amen? Amen. How do you get close to God? The Word. I got about four messages tied up in this one little (laughs) moment of time here. But you got to understand the significance of the. This is why Christians who don't spend time daily in the Word to fellowship with God don't get to know Him that well. In Wigglesworth's life, in, in Hagen's life, Go back to all these people's lives that knew God. The word was first. Amen. The word was first in every aspect of their life. So understand, Jesus said it. You ought to go back and get our message on Sunday if you didn't hear it. Powerful. To understand what Jesus taught you, Jesus said, how are you going to continue to get to know the Father? The word. Amen. The word's going to help you do that. This is us fellowshipping with God. This Bible is us fellowshipping with God. Can I get a better Amen. We're not really, although God's here to fellowship with us, we're not really fellowshiping with Him as much as we are being fed the Word of God, the seed of God's Word getting planted in our heart. When I go sit down and read the Bible, I'm not there to sow the Word as a sower. I'm there to fellowship with God and let Him speak to me. I'm there to get to know Him better. 
Amen. And sure, isn't it wonderful? He'll reveal things about your life, things you need to know. How many good, got him good amens on that? So back to verse 13 again. You're to bear with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, even as Christ forgave you, so also you what? Must do. Turn to your neighbor and say, that includes you. So how do I do that? Verse 12. You do verse 13 by doing verse 12. You'll never do verse 13 if you don't do verse 12. Verse 12 will always cause you to do verse 13. Verse 12 says you got to do what? Put on. Say put on. Tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. So how do we do that, Pastor? One, fellowship with God. Two, make the choice to do it. Choose to do it. Just choose to walk in love. Choose to forgive. Choose to deal with your flesh. I love what our pastor says. Learn to deal with yourself. Choose to deal with your flesh and say, instead of saying what I know my mind wants to say right now, I'm going to say what I know God's heart wants me to say right now. Come on, somebody. It ain't hard for anybody to say what your mind wants to say. That's what you're accustomed to doing because that's the way you were obviously affected by the old fall of the nature of the old nature of the fall because of how your flesh responded. But you're not supposed to do that anymore. So how do I put on these things? One, fellowship with God. Two, choose to do it. Make a choice. Deal with yourself. Could I get a better amen? Luke 22 in closing. 23, excuse me. Luke 23. Say praise the Lord, somebody, if you can. Luke 23, if you can, say, oh, me. Luke 23. It's all true because it's the Bible. Luke 23. It is our saving grace. God's word. Luke 23, verse 32. 23, 32. So again, number seven, forgive us what? On your notes? As Christ forgave you. Let's find out how he did that. Uh, Luke 23, 32. There were also two other criminals. He's been crucified, led with him to be, uh, led to be put to death. When they had come to the place called Calvary, they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right, one on the left. Jesus said, Father... Forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. How did Jesus forgive? Forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Even if somebody was really trying to harm you intentionally, you should still say, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. Well, sure they do. No, they don't. If they really understood the detriment they're causing to their life. Seriously. You could say this phrase every single time you forgive somebody. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Oh, they know they're harming me. They don't understand the very detriment of what's really going on by them choosing to do the harm they're doing to you. Are you listening? Because that's like taking somebody who understands the power of a gun and literally saying, I could take that gun and I could point it at somebody, pull the trigger and take their life. If you understood that, most people ain't going to do Obviously, that very thing. They're not going to take a gun and go do that to harm somebody to that degree. What they're doing to you, they don't really understand. And if you don't allow it to affect you, they're really not harming you. But they don't understand the detriment that's going to cause them. So you can say just like Jesus. Number eight, Jesus said these golden words. Forgive them, Father. Why? Forgive them, for they do not know what they do. 
So the two most crucial things that we are dealing with tonight about keeping out a root of bitterness and unforgiveness. Number one, what's the key thing I can do to keep bitterness out of my life? Watch your words back to people. Watch your words back to people. How do you respond to people? What comes out of your mouth? Are you saying anything at all that is obviously not a gift to them? That could be a bitterness, a form of anger, and especially you better deal with yourself in the flesh if you have any desire to hurt them back with your words. That's malice. And that's opening a door for bitterness to come. Number two, forgive everybody. Number one, watch your words. Number two, forgive everybody. If you watch your words and forgive everybody, guess what? You're not going to be able to get a root of bitterness in you. And you're going to guard yourself against this very detrimental, harmful poison that affects, sadly, far too many people in the last days. So if you could remember nothing else, although you're going to, right? If you could remember nothing else, you need to help other people understand your words spoken back to others. Don't be talking about referring to you. Talking about about when they're dealing with other people. Do you realize those words that you're speaking back to others can cause a root of bitterness in you? And your decision to not forgive them will also cause that to happen, a root of bitterness. And if you allow that, Satan has a foothold in your life. Give him no place. Stand your feet. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.